With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. From Autosport.com and Autosport Magazine, I'm Martin Lee, and this is the Autosport Podcast. Well, today's podcast is a conversation that I had with two of our team heading to Austria this weekend about the Austrian Grand Prix preview. I did it for our YouTube channel, so if you are subscribed to both this and our videos, you may have seen it already, or maybe it's in your feed, just so you know, so you don't double up. Formula One returns to the Red Bull Ring in Austria this weekend for round nine of the World Championship. It's another sprint race weekend as well for the teams. I'm Martin Lee from the Autosport Podcast. Today, joined by Matt Q and Alex Kalanokis to look ahead the Austrian Grand Prix. Uh, gentlemen, welcome. Let's get some news out of the way before we get on to the race this weekend. Alpine secured new investment to the tune of 200 million euros and the investors, well, they include Ryan Reynolds. So first 2.5 million for Wrexham Football Club, but now a Formula One investment which values Alpine at around 700 million. What has Alpine said about this, Alex? And what do you think it might mean for the team? I think, first of all, it reflects the overall health of Formula One. You know, we, we, we've been talking about the Netflix drive to survive boom uh, for, for, for a very long time now. And, you know, you don't get much bigger than Hollywood A-listers getting involved with a team. Um, it's obviously good news for Alpine, I think, because um, everybody or, or, or often people might think back to the team's previous era as Renault. If you think back sort of the late 2000s, early 2010s, uh, their financial crash and all the big manufacturers pulling out, various people bought into Renault and it really ended up going rather badly. You know, bills not being paid and things uh, getting getting going really wrong around 2015. But in actual fact, Renault, well, because Renault obviously still owns the team, Alpine is one of its brands effectively recommitting its future to Formula One with what they're doing here. It's just that they want to, to to cash in on what is a massive value. You know, we talk about teams like Williams and Aston Martin and their owners, Dorothy Capital and Lawrence Stroll, having got like deals of the century in terms of buying the teams relatively cheaply. And then with the massive boom, as you say, 700 million, the valuation of Alpine, which is actually almost, I think, you know, on the sort of lower end of, of, of what the, the, the top teams would be certainly 
either at or approaching uh, a billion pounds valuation, which is something Zach Brown, McLaren's chief, talked about a few years ago. So really good for Alpine, really good for Formula One. And again, another indication, I understand that Silverstone next weekend after Austria is going to have record attendance level. It's going to be 450,000. So very good, very good news story for Formula One right now. Whether that'll be the case a few years down the line, if Max Verstappen and Red Bull win every race, we'll wait to see. Uh, but but just for fans of Alpine, you know, they'll be expecting: Will Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney will they will they do a Wrexham? Will they will this turn into increased and better results in Formula One? Much much harder to do because of how long things take to turn around. You can't just well you can just buy a load of superstars and and hope they work together, but. Even if it does come to fruition, it will just take time. Yeah, Alpine's certainly not as far down the grid as Wrexham. Sorry to kind of mix those two things up. It really was a, a rags to potential riches story there in football. And of course, there's other investors that have joined them in this Alpine investment. But if they're worth 700 million, it makes you wonder what a Ferrari, a Mercedes, a Red Bull is worth. You'd say a lot more. No disrespect to Alpine's current performance. Now, Matt, let me ask you about another piece of news that we heard this week. Hitech have announced they've formally lodged an application with the FIA to join the grid from 2026. What can you tell us about who Hitech are and the money behind them? Yeah, well, Hitech should be sort of familiar to uh, readers of Autosport because uh, obviously they feature throughout the single-seater ladder, so F2, F3, F4, or maybe I should have said that F4, F3, F2, and then that leads you up to uh, F1, which is their culmination and um, base at Silverstone. But they've just um, had a 25%, so uh, one-upping, literally one-upping Alpine by 1%, investment from a Kazakh billionaire, Vladimir Kim, who's best known, if you like, for his work in in, in mining. Uh, So uh, his company is one of the top 10 copper producers in the world. So that's where his his fortune comes from. And um, with that investment, they they have announced that they have formally lodged an application to the FIA to join the F1 grid for 2026. So that puts them in a camp with Michael Andretti's tie-up with Cadillac and the um, Formula Equal sort of um, setup helmed by XBAR boss Craig Pollock as having formally announced entries. There have been a, a few other sort of um, uh, get-togethers that have made noise about joining interest, but uh, noise about um, entering F1, but the three of us could do that and put out a glossy press release. It doesn't mean we've actually acted on it. So high-tech are at least... Uh, a way down there, which is good, and I think I think it almost ties into the um, the Alpine news, doesn't it? That you know, and and with Audi that coming in is where will this sport be, or where will the championship be? Because you've had your Netflix boom, you've got the Brad Pitt film coming. Well, when you've got billionaires coming in and conservative with small C investment groups like um, Fenway Sports Group, who are associated with the Alpine deal and whatever, they're they're logical. They answer to you know private equity holders they have to show educated forecasts so that people are willing to part with all this money that so the fact that they're doing that rather than it being a you know a a estate funded investment fund like the PIF or, or Mr Stroll sort of vanity project the fact that these guys are coming in calculated suggests that they see this boom is sustainable so um yeah that's exciting and so if high tech come in but then you've got you know the the thing that's underlined this whole whole sort of saga with Michael Andretti sniffing around is that Formula One want one thing and the FIA want the other you know in terms of expanding grids and F1 and teams say there's no room at the end that's why they want to make a you know 600 million dollar anti-dilution fund well 
you know, Alpine, now you've got the valuation, you see where with that it holds. So you're talking, you know, one and a half billion to buy a team, get in, and that's if you want to relocate it to the US in the Andretti case. So, you know, there's sort of demand, but, you know, if, if the FIA wants it, so you've got this sort of standoff, which will be interesting to see how it plays out, because I think at the moment it, it certainly seems in some camps, if, if the FIA says something's blue, F1 says it's red. So seeing how they come to any kind of like amicable agreement over this will be uh, will be a good, good uh, thread to follow. Yeah, going back to that Wrexham investment, one of the things that excited, I think, so many people about that story is is their uh, their entry into the the football league. But of course, Formula One, much like the American franchise system, you you can't just have a team graduating from Formula Two to Formula One. That's not the way Formula One set up. So we look to see twenty twenty six and new teams entering and the existing teams saying, "Oh, hang on a minute, we're not so happy uh, about diluting uh, uh, some of the money that's uh, flying around." But let's talk about a fantastic Grand Prix last year at least the the Grand Prix on Sunday Alex you're about to get on a plane and head to Austria last year Ferrari had a big advantage over Red Bull Leclerc passing Verstappen multiple times on track winning not from pole that was a big deal for Leclerc all those Max fans and their orange flares will be back I'm sure this weekend in force but Last year, Ferrari reliability, those famous shots of Science's car on fire at the top of the hill. Couldn't get out because he couldn't let foot off the brake, and yet uh, no marshals to run to his uh, uh, to his aid. Just after, though, setting a fastest lap, Ferrari had real pace this time last year. Uh, Alex, in terms of performance 12 months on, what's different? Well, also, don't forget with Ferrari and reliability, Leclerc had that throttle problem towards the end, and that made it certainly uh, very exciting whether he, whether he would make the finish. But um, what, what's changed in 12 months is simply that Red Bull is the dominant team, the dominant car, uh, and Ferrari is, has slipped behind Aston Martin and potentially Mercedes as well. Um, what it will look for, though, is the historic data that was gathered last year in terms of what ultimately led to Red Bull's defeat was the fact that it got things wrong on tyres. It does have a sort of occasional propensity to do this. It shows you, you know, that it's, it's sort of like the, the, the American football any given Sunday kind of thing that these are still very, very good teams, even the ones that aren't getting the results. You know, they're still absolutely on it as much as they can be. They're just constrained by the the, the, the resource restriction, you know, the, or the, sorry, the, the resource inequality problem we know Formula One has, right? So if Red Bull isn't on it, it will, it will, it will. Things will be closer, and and and, and as we saw last year and occasionally in twenty twenty one, they're not on it. They're they're punished by other teams. The difference, as I said, is they're just way further out in front this year. So you would logically expect Max Verstappen, you know, sort of qualifying last year on the sprint race last year, you would expect that to play out again. Um, what's what's more interesting is actually sticking with Ferrari. It looks actually quite strong in Canada. If you just take it in isolation, its race pace was strong. Was on the one stopper. Very, very fast, looked strong in FP2. And ultimately that was a weekend of like, oh, well, it's a missed opportunity, total missed opportunity for Ferrari because of what went wrong in qualifying. So its aim will be to get as close as it can to Red Bull. I have no expectations, you know, why would you on the face of it, of it beating Red Bull? And, and the dynamic will be, can Sergio Perez get anywhere near Max Verstappen? I doubt it because of what we saw last year, because of what we've been saying, you know, it, it was these kind of, high you know high speed tracks that is where he always ha- where he will had a difference to Max Verstappen and that has borne out again this year so yeah it, it will be for Ferrari can it make good on its Canada sort of prom- promising showing getting amongst Aston Martin and Mercedes and you never know if Red Bull do slip up if there is a bit of you know inclement unpredictable weather whether that makes a difference but yeah encouraging historical form for Ferrari Red Bull aiming to hit back at his home track 
You're doing a track run this weekend. It's a bit hilly. That'd be the plan. Yeah, I've actually I've been to the Red Bull Ring once back in 2017 when I covered Formula Two, and it is honestly the single most beautiful setting and therefore track that I've ever seen. It is truly stunning. So didn't get to run it then, so I will be will be definitely doing that uh, this year. Matt, any thoughts on the battle at the front? Uh, not on a track run. Uh, not on the, on the battle at the front. Um, I think. It would be interesting to see if the the, the sprint race plays as defining a, a feature as it did it did last year because um, you know Red Bull were all over Ferrari in the sprint race so they went away adjusted a few settings on the car and came back learned how to manage the tyres and that's how they responded so emphatically but you know while while you don't you know with the current Red Bull monopoly you don't expect such a massive swing where it is uber competitive Mercedes Ferrari Aston Martin maybe Chuck Alpine in there as well. And uh, and you've got McLaren bringing some significant upgrades. Whether whether you do have such as a fluctuation in in competitive uh, competitiveness overnight, because that was that was a real aspect of, um, of of Austria last year, is that you had two completely different narratives. Like if it's you know allow me a, a silly tangent, but it's like you know it's covering British touring cars, where at the end of the weekend you've got to write a report based on three different winners, and you're not sure quite how to pick out the thread. And that that was a you know an added element of last year. So to see whether it can sort of influence influence the whole weekend which is what what you want i know it's about changing the uh the format so that you can have different winners add a bit of a new narrative but it's also good when it all feeds into feeds into each other and, and sort of helps in uh influence teams and when you only have one practice session to validate setup upgrades or whatever then then what you learn from the from the you know the, the sprint race has a has a you know it's, it's really significant in terms of informing for a, a horrible word to the rest of the weekend. So I like to see it all sort of um, uh, pay into one another like that. Okay, we'll take a quick break and back in a second. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. All right, back to the podcast. A quick word, Alex, if you would, on McLaren. They said they're bringing a triple pack of aero upgrades to change, in their words, every single aerodynamic part. They'll be arriving over Austria, Britain and the Hungarian Grand Prix. How badly do McLaren need these upgrades, Alex? Oh, oh uh, it's really keen to have them. I think if you listen to Lando Norris, you know, Matt and I were in Spain, uh, the, the race before Canada, and just listening to him in their meet the team uh, media briefing, media uh, press session after qualifying, you know, he qualified third. It was just like, well, I expect to get lapped three times in the race. That just sort of demonstrates the uh, the scale of the of the difficulty. Obviously, you know that it didn't play out as that because he was obviously being a bit facetious. He did have a, a terrible start there, and then obviously things he lost some points in Canada because of that contentious, unsportsmanlike uh, behaviour uh, penalty. The actual 
penalty actually was, was fair enough, but it was just the way it was described by the FIA. But yeah, this, this McLaren update, if it's as comprehensive as they're sort of openly stating, it basically effectively means they are the latest sort of team to introduce what we could consider a B-spec car for the season. It's not quite B-spec in the sense of, you know, what teams used to do back in the day of changing literally everything because obviously the floors and the underbody surfaces that they take so long to uh, to, to nail, to understand, get right and then produce. But the upper aero, upper aero surfaces, as we saw with Mercedes changing in Monaco, the surprise of Ferrari, which had sort of effectively said it wasn't going to do that, uh, doing that in Spain. Now McLaren's coming. And the reason why Norris has been sort of a bit, a bit downbeat, a bit sort of, uh, what's not, not what's the point, but sort of a bit meh about things is because of McLaren losing its way on development targets last winter. So where it started the season in Bahrain and having its difficulties there, it then reached the point it wanted to be at the start of the season in Baku with its floor update. So this big upgrade package um, is effectively, you know, the next the next step in that and the, and the real the real point in time McLaren has been targeting. And the question, does it you know, does it? How badly does it need this? Well, well, very badly. It's currently twenty-seven points behind Alpine, and you consider how many points Alpine lost in that Australian Grand Prix disaster at the final restart that McLaren was one of the big beneficiaries of. Uh, it's, it's vital. It's absolutely vital if if McLaren's going to have any hope of catching Alpine, possibly even overhauling it before the end of the season. Well, it's a sprint weekend, as Matt says. Uh, We've covered a third of the season now, and we're seeing some fluctuations in performance all the way down the grid. Uh, Let's get some final thoughts from both of you guys on what you're going to be looking out for uh, this weekend. Mercedes' pace was nowhere last year at times, and yet it was another one where Hamilton was on the podium this time last year in Austria. It's a a third and fourth, actually, uh, even after one of the worst penalties I saw all year, which was uh, Russell uh, punting off Perez. But Russell, look, I will still fight you on this. Russell was ahead going into the corner, left him room on the outside. Perez just braked later and steered into him and then complained. And Russell was penalised. I didn't agree with that one. Uh, And uh, another famous turn for incident. Of course, eventually Red Bull retired Perez from the race last year. Um, Mercedes weren't strong at times. They were losing out to the Haas cars this time last year we probably won't see that same battle this year uh, but Matt some final thoughts on you about other performance that you'll be looking yeah, for Mercedes down the grid is a good place to start last year they had that disaster in uh, in qualifying where both both drivers sort of binned it in the gravel really rare um, rare mistakes and if you remember that came at a time where you had the sort of um, the positive result in Spain and they thought they were sort of slowly unlocking everything that made the W13 tick and then it, it, it was just this super unpredictable difficult car to drive and sort of really hit home how how bad the problems were and okay um, Mercedes have gone to Canada and sort of backed up their performance to show that you know you can't just go 2023 and 2022 um, strong performances in Spain were isolated upgrades, but you know we need to see more. We're you know every as you say we're a third of the way through the season. Well, we want this season to be good, and we want to see glimmers at twenty twenty four be an ultra competitive fight. So seeing what Mercedes can do, and also I think Aston Martin a good one. They you know they think they're they're going to suffer from the revised format. They're still understanding their Canada upgrades, so they have a bit more to unlock. But you know compared to the other tracks in the season this this shouldn't really it's not necessarily a great place for Aston because you've not got proper sort of fiddly low speed sections where Alonso in particular has excelled so 
again, it's all about that that P two battle in terms of the teams. You know, when well, as Alex said earlier, we after such a competitive showing from Ferrari, but them having started out of sequence anyway, so not actually knowing how far they came along when home. What Marco, you know, can easily say, oh, they definitely would have won if if they'd have been with us. Well, they weren't, so you know, whatever. Max Verstappen insert Max Verstappen complaining about another downshift problem to pretend he had he had something to worry about in the race that sort of thing so again I think I think it's that battle will be all eyes on that and then um, as Alex said Austria is one of the most beautiful racetracks part of that comes from the mountains and then you can watch sort of clouds grey clouds form over the top of them and then dump a load of water on track so uh, that'd be that'd be good as well yeah, now last year we did see uh, in those Astons it was just kind of the end of Vettel zero pootling around at the back. I hate seeing great world champions leave uh, like that. Of course, he was punted off last year by uh, Gasly, wasn't it? And that was a genuine penalty because Gasly missed the apex by a country mile. Uh, Vettel was furious. But it was just one of those kind of races that you think, oh man, I hate to see world champions kind of just petering out at the end of their career. But Aston Martin now have uh, a renewed vigour in their man, Fernando Alonso. Will we see him back on the podium? Final thoughts and final word with you, Alex. I mean, yeah, if, if he carries on his, his form, um, yeah, no, no reason why not. It's just, it's the question is, can Ferrari continue on its Canada form? Can Mercedes get in the fight? Because they're looking a lot stronger. We know that, you know, Alonso has, 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 has adapted very well to the Aston Martin. Uh, and yeah, yeah, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't see why not. You know, he, he seems to be uh, very invigorated with, the, with the, current, the current situation. And yeah, hopefully he doesn't get uh, taken out in a sprint race and have to start at the back. Well, we'll leave it there. That's our preview podcast for the Austrian Grand Prix this weekend at the Red Bull Ring. Last year really was a fantastic race all the way through the field, actually, not just for those those overtakes for the win between Leclerc and Verstappen, but all the way through the field, that fantastic midfield battle where there was five of them going at it at one point as well. Really enjoyed last year. What do you think of the sprint race format, though? And will you be tuning in for that, or do you stick to a Sunday afternoon Grand Prix because you just like to watch the big one. We'd love to know what you think anytime from our podcast listeners. Have an email address you can get me directly if you want to. Come through to my inbox, uh, which is podcast at autosport.com. That is podcast at autosport.com. And of course, on social media as well, either on the Autosport channels on Twitter, I'm at Mart Lee. I will catch you on Friday for our look back at uh, practice and the Friday track action in Austria. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you on the next one. Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.